0: Hello, and welcome into Airing It Out, a Penn State podcast brought to you by the Center Daily Times. I'm your host, John Sauber, and I'm joined, as always, by Parthu Padye. Parth, how are you?
1: Man, I'm doing well. This this season is getting a little bit hard to watch, though. I'm not going to lie. Super talented team, but they just seem to be struggling right now. And I guess we'll see what happens uh, this Saturday against Nebraska. Excited to watch, as always. I'll be covering uh, from my couch this time instead of in Lincoln.
0: Yeah, no, I you know, that might, that might be better, honestly, with how this team has played this year. It has been brutal. Uh, you know, unfortunately for Penn state, some, you know, actual brutal news today, uh, with, you know, journey Brown coming out that he has uh, a heart condition that is going to make him retire that is forcing him to retire. And that, that obviously is the right decision. This, this condition has killed players in the past. I believe it killed a, a college basketball player in 1990, uh, during a West Coast conference tournament game, uh, Hank gathers or leaves his name, uh,
1: that's right. Yep. But, you know, it, it's
0: just, it's, it's brutal. Like there's no way around it. You could see James Franklin was getting emotional when he was talking about it. And uh, it, it's one of those things that, that puts everything into perspective and, and lets everyone take a step back and, and, you know, sort of take in what, what we're all, what we are covering and what all of these people are rooting for, you know, on Saturdays.
1: No, for sure. And, and, you know, journey was a guy whose draft stock was, was rising rapidly. You know, he had those five games last season where he, he had over 600 yards. Had that Cotton Bowl performance with 202 yards against Memphis. This was a kid who could have skipped this season if he had wanted to, and, and still been, I don't know, uh, you know, a, a top three, four round draft pick in this coming draft. Um, you know, but he just decides to come back, and um, I guess however you want to view it, luckily or unluckily, they they catch this this uh, health condition with him, and and now his career is over. It's very unfortunate to see.
0: Yeah. And it, I mean, it's the, the timing of it is, it, I mean, it really sucks. You know, they, they said they found out, uh, earlier this fall, uh, you know, about the, I think maybe even earlier this, I guess it was September. technically late summer. Yeah. Early, sep- late September, I believe early September, somewhere around then, uh, regardless of timing, like, I mean, it's fortunate in a way that they found it, that, that, you know, it was during uh, routine COVID-19 testing, uh, searching for, for other things that they found this condition uh, that that they were able to find and sort of protect him and protect his future and protect his life. Um, who knows what happens, you know, if he does declare for the draft or whatever, like, uh, but, but it is, in, the, in a way it is fortunate and it is a good thing uh, because it was found. Uh, it was, it, I mean, this could have gone a lot worse than just losing his football career. So I'm, you know, I, I think we're all, thankful that that they were fortunate enough to find it and and prevent anything worse from happening here but nonetheless still still tragic for him still tragic for you know his family and and his career and, and sort of potentially going to be one of those one of those guys you say what could have been with uh because we saw how good he was especially at the end of last year he Dane Brugler made him RB1. Like, I I mean, he was a phenomenal talent, had the contact balance, the size, size speed, power, uh, good in the passing game, willing pass blocker. Everything you want in a running back was Journey Brown. And on top of that, and we're seeing this tonight with with things teammates are saying on Twitter and coaches are saying and former teammates and really anyone within the program just, you know, gloating about the kind of person that Journey Brown is and, and how
1: – absolutely.
0: Yeah. And how he, uh, you know, has handled this too, is pretty remarkable. He's, he's taken on an assistant coaching role basically since it happened. Um, you know, I, I a think
1: booster for this team, you know, they're zero and three and the you know, the kid who can't play single down is, is their number one cheerleader. You know, that says a lot about the guy's character.
0: Yeah. And, and he's constantly doing it too. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's it's one of the few things that they've had consistent this year, and, and that Journey Brown has always been there for the team and and sort of backing them up and and uh, being their, their their biggest fan from the sideline. Uh, you know, it just it sucks. Quite frankly, it just sucks. Uh, it's a really unfortunate situation that you don't wish on anyone, especially a kid as as, as seemingly as kind and and you know thoughtful as Journey Brown. You
1: no, know, John, I think you touched on it, but this is a guy who was a three star prospect. You know, he wasn't supposed to be in that position, right. To be this top, um, this top draft pick in April. And, you know, now um, it's, it's just unfortunate to see the kind of strides he made only for it to not come to fruition in the end.
0: Yeah, no. And, and it's, it's, I mean, and what has been a pretty terrible year, I think everyone would agree 2020 has been a nightmare from a lot of standpoints. Uh, <laughs> this is just sort of piling on, especially for a Penn state program uh, that, that is not doing well that is you know recruiting is is down in 2021 uh 2022 is looking better on that front but who knows how long that'll hold up especially if you have a bad enough season and then you look on the field this team is bad you know you could point to indiana and say there were some fluky things that happened you could you know even point to the fact that indiana is now the number 10 team in the country uh yeah, ohio state true. yeah it's crazy it's They're absolutely crazy number
1: 10 in the country that's wild
0: Especially with, quite frankly, how bad they played in that season opener. They won the game, but they were not good. They they sort of backed their way into one and zero, and then, you know, here they are, two solid wins later at number ten in the country. Uh, I, I I can't believe that that is happening. You know, that is it. It is not something I thought I would see in in my lifetime, given how the Hoosiers have played.
1: 2020
0: yeah it's wild but you know penn state is here because they lost that game to indiana because they they could only hang around with an ohio state team that's a top five team in the country for so long and because they they were listless against a maryland team that quite frankly is not very good uh they're they're good enough to win you know five maybe maybe six games in the Big Ten I would doubt that they get to six I think five is the probable ceiling uh and they they destroyed Penn State on Saturday that game was not close it finished as 35 to 19 but at no point did it feel like Penn State was in the game and at no point did they feel like they had a chance to win
1: no Penn State had no chance from the, from the opening kickoff you know I think it was the first drive where you know Maryland comes down uses five plays and scores uh I believe it was Rakeem Jarrett, you know, who scored on like a, a 30 or 40 yard, you know, catch and run type play. Um, and from that point on, Penn State just looked demoralized. They, they never had a chance. And that's the first time I think we've seen a James Franklin team not being spiritually ready, you know, not being mentally ready to play. It's one thing to lose, but it's one thing to look like you haven't put in the effort. And, and that's what we saw on Saturday, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, it, it, it looked like a, a, a team of, of guys that were checked out that didn't want to be there anymore, like like their goals had all vanished when they lost to Ohio State, and they did, you know, and, and we heard leading up to the week how that wasn't going to be the case. The one no mentality was sort of going to carry this team through, and they were going to be ready to go, and the exact opposite is what took place Saturday. Um, it was, I mean, it was, it was pathetic from every single facet. You know, there were a few guys who played well on Saturday. There was Jahan Dotson, there was Pat Fryermuth, Couple Parker guys Washington. defensively. Yeah, Parker Washington. Outside of that, no one seemed to care. And and that, I mean, that that's a really bad sign for a team that's already in a really bad spot. Now you're 0-3. You're on the road to Nebraska, who's also winless and also not good this year. Like, and and there's a chance you lose that game. And if you lose that game, I mean, who knows where it stops? Like it it it's not a guarantee it stops at 0-4. It could stop at 0-7 or 0-8. Like this. The loss to Maryland is sort of the first sign, I think, that this could get colossally bad.
1: Ugly, ugly, ugly. Yeah, and I think, like you, like you mentioned, you kind of touched on it. Eventually, it becomes a mental hurdle, too. It's not just about you're being outmatched on the field, but you're, you're, you're playing yourself. You know, you're, you're competing against your own mind at some point, right? Like, you get humiliated against Maryland at home. If you lose to Nebraska, that's only the second time ever that Penn State's been 0-4. That 0-1 team started off 0-4 but they haven't done it. You know, they've only done that once, you know? So to be that historically bad or to start that historically bad, I should say, it's going to be hard to come out of that mentally.
0: Yeah. And, and I mean, once you're down, uh, you know, oh and three with not only your, your primary goal is gone, but even your secondary goals you may have created after the Ohio state game, those are probably gone now too, uh, because you're looking really, really, going to have to improve to be four and four this year going into that week nine uh, sort of big 10 championship week game. Uh, and, and that is not likely I think at this point, based on what we've seen, we've seen from this team, I think it's more likely that they're going to finish with a losing record for the first time in a long time. And wow, I, I just, I really can't believe we're here. You know, I, I predicted eight and one going into this season. I thought Ohio state would be the loss. And, you know, even after Indiana it was like, all right, this is still probably a seven and two team. But again, that Maryland game, it was all three facets of the game. They did not show up. Uh, and I think the biggest culprit here, and I hate to sort of pile on, but Sean Clifford was terrible. You know, he was – he he did not look like a, a starting Big Ten quarterback on Saturday. Uh, he he struggled with, with his footwork. He struggled with sort of some of the phantom pressure that we've talked about in the past. Uh, he struggled with his accuracy. He struggled with – you know, hitting hitting wide open guys. There was a play that that Pat Frymuth was wide open down the sideline, uh, and and Clifford lobbed it up to him, and Frymuth was overthrown, and he sort of threw his hands up in frustration. Uh, it, I mean, and that happened a lot. Like not necessarily the the, the displays of frustration, but the, the the missed throws, the missed opportunities. That game might have been close had they had a decent quarterback, but they didn't, and it wasn't.
1: No. And it's, it's hard to put the blame on one guy, right? Like, you know, there was a lot of blocks of the O-line miss and, you know, you talk to guys and they say there was, you know, wide receivers who didn't run their routes. You know, we talked to Pat Firemouth yesterday and and funny enough, he said that, you know, almost all, this is his quote. He said almost all of Clifford's mistakes were were not on him. He said about two or three of those turnovers are on him. Clifford's thrown five picks uh, and had one fumble return for a touchdown in that Maryland game. Um, you know, it, it's, hard, it's, it's hard to look at Clifford and say, you know, a lot of that's not on him. But certainly, you know, football is a sport where a lot of things have to go right or a lot of things have to go wrong for you to make that, you know, correct pass or or miscue. Um, but, yeah, Clifford has to get better. You know, he was 6 for 20 in that first half, finished with 78 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, he got pretty much outplayed in that first half by, you know, Talia Tungvaluwa. You know, Tungvaluwa finished 14 of, of 19, you know, for 246 yards and three touchdowns in the first half alone. Um, you know, that's not, that's not supposed to happen. We talked to, you know, all off season about Clifford taking that next step and we just haven't seen it yet.
0: Yeah. And I don't, I don't think there's much reason to believe that step is coming quite frankly. Uh, you know, when, when progression isn't always linear, guys don't always improve, you know, at the same rate. Uh, but we're seeing regression here. Uh, and, and I think that is a big time concern. Uh, it's his, his mistakes from last season are the same mistakes, but worse this season. There are other areas where he's not been himself, uh, the it it, it seems like he's making poor decisions in the running game running backs are not getting involved I don't know if and and there's no way for us to know because we don't know the play calls but at at points it does look like there are zone reads where he should be handing it off and instead he's keeping it Uh, again we don't know that to be a fact but that's just sort of from from watching from above uh, and, and seeing that that play out if he doesn't get it together this this season is going to like oh eight is a possibility like it just is if, if he doesn't get it together um or penn state has to make a change and it doesn't seem like they're close to making a change based on what james franklin has said you know publicly uh it seems like they're can they're going to ride out clifford he said he's earned that and i get it like i i understand wanting to sort of go with your guys and you know he earned it but at some point like he's also earning earning uh opportunities for levis because he's he's playing so poorly that he's opening the door. Like he's you can't just talk about a guy earning something from a positive standpoint. They can earn something from a negative standpoint too. And he, he might be earning a benching at, at some point in the future. And and he's gotten dangerously close to that already uh, based on his play. And Personally, I probably would have would have at least wanted to see what Levis or, or Roberson could have done uh, late in the game against Maryland. Uh, even if it's not at halftime, even if it's just the fourth quarter, you have opportunities to play those guys they got to see the field at some time and, and Kirk Chirac has got to evaluate them at some point. And, and they had a good opportunity to do it and just passed it by because I guess that of loyalty to Clifford, but I, I don't know, that doesn't make much sense to me.
1: No, you're absolutely right. And John, you know, I, I agree. And then I disagree with you also. I feel like, you know, that game was was out of reach, right. And the, in the first drive of the second half uh, Clifford, I believe fumbles around the 34 yard line and it scooped up and uh, returned for a touchdown. Um, and that point the game is 35 to seven. Uh, and you've got you know almost all of the second half to play, you know you can put in Will Levis like you said for the fourth quarter, put in Taquan Roberson for the fourth quarter, and, and see what the guy offers. Um, however, I just don't think that you know neither of those guys are, or either of those guys rather, are, are that close to Clifford, you know, in terms of readiness or talent. It's, it's one thing to to be shaky about the belief you have in your starter, but you've got to have somebody back there, right? You got to have somebody that's that's going to be capable of, of leading the team to some success. And I just don't think they have that right now.
0: and and i don't i don't know that you're wrong uh we haven't seen these guys recently levis obviously is a is a better runner than clifford because he's basically a running back uh back there and with the the size speed and power combo he has and we know he has a cannon of an arm uh we know he has accuracy issues too maybe you switch up the offense maybe you give roberson the chance all i'm saying is it seems that that sean clifford is the known commodity and we know that the known commodity isn't good enough and if it's not good enough that isn't going to change over the next five weeks even if you're terrible over the next five weeks with, with one of the other two options at quarterback, at least, you know, you don't have the answer then. And then at least, you know, maybe you go looking for quarterbacks in the transfer portal, hoping Christian value can come in and compete right away. But sticking with the status quo is just kind of giving you the, the outlet, I guess, to, to go with Levis or Roberson next year or, or whatever, you know what I mean? Whenever Clifford is, is gone or, or done at Penn state, when you probably should have been looking for someone better sooner uh, I just think you're you're sort of closing the door on your upside when you stick with Clifford. If you're going to be bad, you may as well be bad and find out about next year's team because there's there's not much else to gain from this year.
1: And, and to Franklin's credit, you know, you mentioned that he 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 spoke to us on on Tuesday. He spoke to us today, and you know, kind of both times or, you know, both times he did say that Clifford is the guy that's going to be the starter moving forward. And it's not that's not going to change in the foreseeable future. But he did say that Will Levis will get mixed in in certain formations on certain drives. Um, So we should see more of Levis, you know, starting with Nebraska this Saturday and we'll see how that goes. Maybe, maybe Levis does enough to prove that he can be that guy. And then Clifford, you know, gets, you know, demoted perhaps Uh, moving forward. We'll see.
0: Yeah. And and they're going up against a team in Nebraska that uses two quarterbacks, Luke McCaffrey and Adrian Martinez. Both are back there. uh, Both dual threat guys, both capable throwers. It can be done. You can use two quarterbacks. I don't think that's the right decision for Penn state, but if you want to do that, then, then by all means, now, maybe this is just a slow transition to Levis. You know, maybe this is Levis gets out there for five to ten snaps a game, and suddenly he just looks better in those five to ten snaps than Clifford does in the rest of the snaps. And then it starts to slowly slide down that scale, and eventually, you know, Levis is the starter. Who knows? But I, I do think that that sticking with Clifford is – well. I understand, like there is something to commend uh, – there is something commendable about the loyalty – uh, to a guy who has clearly fought and earned it and has taken a beating, by the way, because uh, he, he's getting hit constantly. Uh, but at some point, you've just got to find out what you have. And, and if you're that confident that what you have isn't good enough, then, I, as I wrote about on Saturday, then Penn State has a whole other set of issues. Uh, if Sean Clifford really is the best quarterback on the roster, there isn't a lot of reason to think that this team is going to be any good for a while.
1: Yeah, and I mean, to Frank, to Franklin's credit, like I, like I mentioned earlier, you know, it's, I think it's more of a thing where he's trying to preserve Clifford's uh, mental state, you know, be, playing the quarterback position, as you know, is, is a lot, uh, a lot of the mental game as well as, well as the physical, um, you know, when you've got a guy at quarterback looking over his shoulder constantly, like just making sure he doesn't lose his job that can mess with the guy too, you know? And it seems like he's already trying to do too much. He's already, you know, trying to kind of force things out there. I, I just don't think that, you know, having that pressure of, okay, this guy's going to take your job is is going to help
0: right now. But the the one way to mitigate that I will say is to just have the guy take his job. (laughs) Uh, you know what I mean? If, if Levis takes the job, then you can't turn back. Uh, you know, I'll I'll say that if, if you go to Levis or, or Roberson, then, then it's their job. Like you cannot go to Sean Clifford again, it is over. He will probably, you know, uh, do what's best for him from there on out. And you have to accept that. Uh, And, and once you make that benching though, it's gotta be the final decision. There can't be this flakiness. That is, I think that is part of the concern too, with, with sort of easing Levis into getting more snaps. Then you're, you're literally creating this opportunity for Clifford to go every time Levis is out there. He's like, okay, is he doing better than me? Is he, you know what I mean? Do I have to watch this over my shoulder? Like you said, like that's not going to help when the guy's already got shaky confidence. So I do think this could potentially backfire unless they're willing to just go to Levis and, and sort of cut the cord with Clifford as a starter. Uh, which, I mean, he, he did a lot of great things last year. John Clifford showed a lot of upside. It is, you know, a lot of things happened this offseason. A lot of things happened this year that are sort of uh, circumstances out of his control and out of everyone's control that put him in a position where maybe he couldn't progress like he thought he could. But either way, uh, this is a results business. College football always has been. And, you know, you, you got to do what you can to try and win football games. And if it's not winning games this year, it's got to be next year. You know, and and if Clifford isn't going to help you win games next year, you got to find someone who will.
1: No, I think you're right. And you talked about the circumstances that are out of Clifford's control or out of the team's control. You know, like we talked about starting off with this podcast, you lose Journey Brown, who's a star running back. Then you lose Noah Kane, who's a standout running back on that first drive against Indiana. Um, know, that has an impact. And I feel like they haven't – you know, I don't know what your perspective is. They haven't given Devin Ford a fair chance, I think. You know, he carried, what, nine times against Maryland for 36 yards, against Ohio State he carries eight times for 36 yards – they gotta, they gotta put the ball in Devin's hands and see what he can do. You know, because <laughs> if he can do something, if Isaiah Holmes and Kevon Lee can also contribute, the two freshman running backs, maybe that eases some pressure off of Clifford. Maybe that that helps him out. That opens up the passing game. But when you're one dimensional, when you're you know kind of forcing Clifford to be the passer and the runner, you know he ran 17 times. He ran 17 times for 26 yards <laughs> against uh, against Maryland. It didn't it didn't work out well. You know, but yeah. one guy to do so much is just not gonna work.
0: And there are plenty of circumstances too, though, where he's just taking off on his own volition. He's, he's making those decisions. He's uh, taking the ball out of, literally taking the ball out of running backs' hands on zone reads uh, and, and taking away those opportunities. But I'm with you, like, there, there has to be a concerted effort to get Devin Ford, Keevon Lee, and Kaziah Holmes the ball. They just have to try and get them the ball. This is not going to be a team that can win it by throwing it with Sean Clifford at quarterback. So you have to maximize him and maximize the guys around him to maximize the offense. Uh, we'll see what it looks like going forward. Adding Will Levis' package definitely points to running the ball more, although Will Levis definitely likes to keep it in those situations for good reason. He's a bulldozer. But, you know, there's there's plenty to question about this team, uh, and and honestly, not a lot of positives to look at at this point.
1: No, and it's, it's kind of surprising, right? Like all offseason we talk about the wide receivers being a big question mark. They've been the silver lining. They've been the lone bright spot, in my opinion, when you look at Jahan Dotson and what he's doing, and when you look at Parker Washington what he can become. Uh, it's kind of crazy to think that the biggest question mark has become the lone bright side of this Penn State offense.
0: Yeah, and, and like a, a really shining star too, like. Dotson has been phenomenal. Uh, Parker Washington has been everything that he was hyped up to be. Ke'Andre Lambert Smith has flashed at times too. Uh, he's had some balls thrown at his feet that he had no chance at. Uh, but, you know, he's getting open. Uh, Dotson's getting open. Washington is getting open. And when he's not, he's he's fighting for contested balls, like, like you know, the the hype said in the preseason. So yeah, there are bright spots at those positions. Just like you said, it's the the spot that everyone thought would be the weakness. And it turns out to be the best position on the offense, outside of tight end, of course. Uh, which is – I mean, I I think that's a pretty bad sign because if this team had lived up to what uh, what, what I think a lot of people thought it could be, those wide receivers would be getting attention for being good but not for being the best unit on the offense, which is – Uh, It just says a lot about how everyone else has sort of regressed and how all the other position groups have regressed. And here's the thing. They've got a chance to turn it around. They've got a chance to get their first win this season. This could be an inflection point game, though, this weekend when they take on Nebraska and Lincoln. Uh, It's a noon kick, so I think that's an 11 a.m. local kick in in Nebraska, which is, uh, you know, a fun body clock time to be playing a football game. But if, if they don't get it this weekend, I don't know when they're getting it. Iowa and Michigan next. Uh, then Rutgers, who has been like, do you think this is going to be the inflection point game? Like, do you think this could decide if they go from being a you know a potential one and seven team to m- maybe finding a way to to five and three before that championship game week?
1: No, absolutely. Like, if they lose to Nebraska, like you just mentioned, they've got Iowa and Michigan. I chalk those both up as L's too, and then you're looking at zero and six. I, I don't know. I'm not a historian. I don't know. When the, when's the last time Penn State went 0-6 to start the season? you know that's
0: Yeah, I'm not looking that up. Uh, I don't need to – whenever <laughs> it was, I don't want to remind people of that.
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, like if they lose this game, the season is – some can argue the season's already over. Um, but if they lose this game, the season is over, over, in my yeah.
0: opinion. Yeah, there's well, – when and, and they're going into the game against a winless Nebraska team as two-and-a-half-point favorites. Like that is mm-hmm. – I mean, it's jarring. I believe it's three-point favorite now, but yeah, yes. uh, it, it, well, the line will be jumping around over the next few days uh, as people hop on and hop off it. Uh, but you know, there's they were they were four-possession favorites over Maryland too, and they got destroyed in that game. So uh, there's there isn't a lot of reason to believe that they're going to beat Nebraska, other than they're too good to be this bad. Like they're they're too talented of a team. They have too much talent on the roster to go out and just be this this lifeless team out there
1: they have got NFL guys. They've got, you know, uh, everywhere. Right. I mean, look at the D line. you got Jason Owe and Shaka on offense. you got Pat Friermuth. You know, you've got guys that are, you know, they're going to play in the league, collegiate stars. And, you know, I guess there's only so much certain guys can do to carry a football team, but still.
0: You can, you could name multiple guys at each position who have a chance to play in the NFL and like, you know, who doesn't have that Maryland, like, and, and they (laughs) lost him by 16. So like, it's, I mean, it's it's really brutal for this this Penn State team. We may as well dive into our key matchups here because this is, I mean, these might be the key matchups for the rest of the season, depending on how they pan out.
1: No, absolutely. And uh, the thing I wrote about in mind is, you know, Penn State's rust, uh, run defense versus Nebraska's rushing attack. You know, as bad as Nebraska's been, and they got they, they lost brutally, you know, to Ohio State 52 to 17. Then they lost to Northwestern, I believe, by four. Um, their rushing attack has been pretty solid. They're 21st in the country. They're averaging. 217 yards on the ground per game. Um, even in the loss to Ohio State, they, they had 210 rushing yards. You know, Adrian Martinez, their starting quarterback, runs for 85 yards on a touchdown. Luke McCaffrey comes in the game on certain downs and, and gets 80 yards himself. They've been solid in the run game. Penn State's been pretty decent, too, uh, against the run. They, they're I believe they're number 30 in the country you know, uh, in their run defense, but they've given up some big plays against Ohio State. First play of the game, Garrett Wilson, the receiver, on a jet sweep, runs for 62 yards sets up a Ohio state touchdown two plays later against Maryland. You got Jake Funk, you know, breaking free for a 38 yard run. That made the score 21, nothing, you know, in the second quarter there, they've just given up too many big plays and Nebraska for as bad as they've been, they're a winless team. They're 0 two had that one game canceled. They've got guys who have big playability in Adrian Martinez and, and backup quarterback, Luke McCaffrey. And even in their running back, Dedrick Mills, who was a, you know, honorable mention, all big 10 guy last season. So, you know, watch out if, if, you know, if Penn state, lets you know, lets these leaky plays happen, lets these big plays happen. Um, Nebraska could win this.
0: Yeah, and, and if- 0-4 and and start. And, and if Nebraska, uh, you know, is able to show any life offensively and Penn State comes out and looks like they did against Maryland in the front seven where guys were just not trying to get off blocks, like they, they didn't seem like they were trying to do much, quite frankly, uh, then Penn State will lose the game. You know, if they're not putting the effort in, they're going to lose the game. Uh, that, I think that's going to be key here. Uh, for me, I went with the inverse matchup. I went with the Penn State rushing attack against the Nebraska run defense. Nebraska has actually been all right against the run this year. Uh, they held Trey Sermon and Master Teague to, to relatively low uh, outputs. I mean, those guys at, at Ohio State are, are awesome, quite frankly. But, you know, to only give up 89 yards on 23 attempts is, is a minor win and what was a blowout uh, loss for, for the Cornhuskers they held Drake Anderson to, to 18 carries for 89 yards. But if you look at a little closer, 41 of those yards came on one carry. And I know those yards count and they always count every yard and every touch counts. But if you take that out as an outlier, then, you know, 17 carries for 48 yards, much less impressive. They were able to hold him down for most of the game. And this quite frankly, hasn't been a Penn state rushing attack that has inspired fear in anybody. Uh, and it shouldn't, they, they haven't been giving the ball to, to Devin Ford enough. As we said, they haven't been giving it to Kevon Lee uh, Kazai Holmes enough and, and if they're not willing to do that, and Nebraska can just key on Sean Clifford, then this offense is going to be in, in for a long day. Uh, Holmes, Lee, and Ford have to get going for Penn State to win this game. I don't see any other realistic way for to get for them to get the win unless they're going to be running the ball a lot, and they're going to be running it well because that's what this Kirk Charanka offense did at Minnesota. It ran the ball, it controlled the game, and it took shots on big plays and it hit on them. Uh, if if it's not doing that, then then it's in trouble. You know, it's it's not going to be in a good place. Uh, I. I don't know. It's it's so it's, man. I just never thought we'd be here. If if I'm being honest, I never thought uh, we would be talking about an zero three Penn State team, given you know even even though they played Ohio State week two, I never thought it would get to get to this point. And here we are in week four talking about how they might lose to Nebraska. Uh, I mean, just flip a coin when we do our predictions. I'm
1: gonna take a quarter out of my wallet and flip it. Right? Yeah, that's <laughs> that's the best decision. Be, I don't know.
0: As <laughs> always. I'll do it on the spot. It will be a total guess this week because after last week I am done. in the the predicting Penn state games business, uh, we all missed on that one by a large margin, but man, I, it, it really, it's just, it's stunning. I think that, that it's gotten to this point and it's gotta be depressing for Penn state fans and upsetting for Penn state fans that, that, that they're here and they're watching this team, but we may as well get to our predictions uh, part. If, if you would like to flip that coin, uh, go ahead, and, and who do you got in this game? Yeah. Um,
1: I've got, man. This is so tough. It's it's hard for me to, to pick Penn State right now, right? They're, they're off to an 0-3 start. They haven't inspired much confidence in really anybody, including us as the media. Um, but you know what? Give me the Nittany Lions 28, Cornhuskers 27. I'll probably regret that pick uh, on Saturday.
0: I think you are going to regret that pick. Uh, I just – I can't see this offense get going. Like I, it's, it's so hard to see it. Uh, Maybe it does. Maybe I am, I am the jinx here and I am I'm helping Penn state get back on track by picking against them. Uh, But give me Nebraska 27, 20. I just, I think this is about to get worse before it gets better for Penn state. And this is probably going to be rock bottom. Uh, unless losing to Iowa and then Michigan too is rock bottom. And in which case it might take them a while to climb all the way down there uh, to find it. But it's, this is legitimately a coin flip. I could go either way here. I just, I can't see the offense playing well point blank. Like they haven't played well to this point. There's no reason to think that they'll play well in this game uh, other than Nebraska being bad, which is a pretty good reason, but Maryland was one of the worst defenses in the country and they didn't do anything against them. So so I'll go with Nebraska in this one, and I for the first time this year I will pick against Penn State.
1: Yeah, it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be close, I think. No matter what, it's two pretty bad teams going at it. I just think Penn State does does enough this time, but maybe I'm wrong. Who knows?
0: Yeah, well, they haven't done enough yet. In <laughs> like <laughs> when they do, I'll I'll start picking Penn State to win again when, when I think they actually have a chance at games. But even with a win this week, it it could get you know it could get worse. It could go you know, like we said. Iowa and Michigan do not look like wins maybe Iowa is, I believe that's a home game, but you know, not that it matters all that much this year without any fans or with limited fans, because it's mostly families and players, uh, parents and whatnot. But you know, it's, I don't know. It's going to be a rough weekend. Uh, it is, this is not going to be an enjoyable football game to watch. I don't think uh, could be one of those games with games with a calamity of errors uh, and, and a lot of sort of, uh, I don't want to say laughable moments because that's harsh, but like, <laughs> there have been some laughable moments this year and, and man, i just, just, like I said, I said a hundred times, just shocking that we're here, that this is the point we reached.
1: No, absolutely. And I guess we'll, we'll find out what this team's made of. We said that last week, but you know, let's say it one
0: more week. Let's. let's... <laughs> they, they weren't made of much, uh, I think is what we quickly found out. Uh but that'll do it for this week's episode of airing it out. You can find us as always on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google podcasts, Stitcher and TuneIn. in. Uh, please subscribe, rate and review our podcast on your platform of choice. If you want to read Parth and I's writing, you can subscribe to a sports pass from the center daily times at center backslash sports podcast. If you have any comments, you can reach Parth at P U P A D H Y A Y A at center or me at J S A U B E R at center Follow us on Twitter at, at, P-U-P-A-D-H-Y-A-Y-A underscore and at J-O-N-S-A-U-B-E-R. Thank you for tuning in and have a great day.